And hello from Suffolk Business Podcast. It's Media Bros, and we are here today fueling ambition with Scott Russell, founder and CEO of Paddy and Scott's. Thanks so much for coming in, Scott. It's absolutely my pleasure. Scott, we've been wanting to get you on for a long, long time. And um, so I think before we get into this conversation, I just want to say thanks on behalf of us both for taking time out of your day. I know you're a busy, busy guy and then um, coming here and chatting with us both. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. No problems at all. Amazing. Scott, before we get into Paddy and Scott's and start talking about your journey with that, I'd like to discuss a little the companies that you founded before and what founding a company is like, because then obviously you're a lot younger. Um, and we, I think the audience would have a lot of value if you, you'd kind of discuss what's it, what it like founding a company, but also what it's like selling one as well, which I know you did. Yeah, no, sure. So I, I founded my first business when I was uh, caught Christ uh, 19 and I sold it when I was 24. Uh, sold the business for 5.7 million quid. Lovely. What do you do when you're 24? <laughs> what do you do with that? So the first thing you do is buy a Porsche car. Of course. Uh, and then you buy a house and you realise that, Christ, I've had no tax planning. So uh, you then look at tax planning. Um, and one of the things with tax planning is rollover relief. So let's look at rolling some of that gain into the next company. So I was a sort of dragged and pulling and screaming entrepreneur because uh, that's, that's what I did. And I've gone on to build uh, three more companies. Um, I built and sold a company to Telstra, uh, the Australian government-owned telco, and uh, an MBO, which we, we orchestrated. And then my last sale was in 2010 to the Daisy Group, and that was uh, for 23 and a half million quid. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, never raised any money. Uh, always uh, built the businesses from scratch. Um, Paddy and Scott started from my garage, and uh, my, most of my businesses have started from my bedroom. So, uh, yeah, a true entrepreneur. Amazing. And obviously, um, you mentioned there that you started Paddy and Scott's in your garage. Um, could you maybe give, give us a bit of like an origin story of like what happened, you know, and it, I think the whole concept of a garage is really interesting to me because you always hear about those big entrepreneurs, Steve Jobs, those kind of guys that started in their garage and built something up to be absolutely massive. So could you give some light on actually your whole journey um, to where you are now? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, the, 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 the clue is in the name, there's Paddy and Scott. And I think that what we sometimes forget is although Paddy and I don't work together, Paddy was pretty much instrumental uh, in building the business in the early days. So uh, I can't take any credit for the first sort of four or five years. Paddy was out there, you know, knocking on doors and, and doing all the hard graft. Um, so let's not forget, you know, you've got a great guy there that, that helped me do that. Uh, the only reason why it started in my garage is that we, we couldn't get the roaster in Paddy's shop, so we had to put it somewhere. So by default, it ended up in my garage, much to the uh, amusement of my wife, that wondered <laughs> what Paddy and I was doing until the small hours in our garage, roasting and grinding coffee. Um, but, um, you know, that's probably an, another story. Um, so, yeah, no, and, and, and I think we got a couple of lucky breaks, as you do in business, and uh, that uh, we got a, a, a few journalists from the Sunday Times that... Um, it's quite well publicised now that, that tasted our coffee. It's the best coffee's ever had. And that sort of went viral and then we were picked up by saying, uh, Tesco's pretty early in the early days and then Waitrose with a national listing. And it just sort of skyrocketed from there. Uh, and I think that um, it's only been the last sort of three or four years where we've seen this sort of meteoric growth where we've sort of realigned the company and what we stand for, what we do. Um, it's tough, tough out there in FMCG, uh, fast moving consumer goods. So you have to do something different to stand out. Amazing. Cool. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I love Paddy and Scott's coffee. I'm always tramps into the one down at Hadley. Good, yeah, um, it's a good store. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I'd really describe Paddy and Scott's as a really cool brand, a cool modern brand. Mm. Um, how have you gone about achieving that? And was kind of did you set your, your heart on that from the very start? 
No, no. People will say to me, Scott, you know, how comes you know everyone I meet, the Paddy and Scott's are cool, dynamic, you know, mm. inspiring, ambitious. I said because I only employ cool, dynamic, yeah. inspiring, ambitious people. Uh, and you know, I'm not cool and I'm not young, um, but my team are, and they're really good. And uh, if you give the mantle to a young, dynamic team, take away the shackles, let them do what they want to do, and uh, you know, you can create some really awesome stuff. The challenge is, is that you know. I want to be the best coffee company in the world. And so many people say that, but I, I think we can be the best mm. coffee company in the world. And, you know, with that type of, um, you know, goals, then, you know, if you hit the moon, then, you know, you, you've achieved a great deal. So, um, yeah, look, bring, bring the challenge on. You know, the next decade is going to be really exciting for us. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Amazing. Obviously, <laughs> with that leadership there as well, is that something you came to learn about and was kind of just organically fell into that role and tried to kind of manoeuvre around that or have you always been a leader um, growing up and obviously you mentioned your team there mm. and I'm obviously just meeting you for the first time today I really feed off your energy and your passion for the company and it's almost like I want to go out and buy a Paddy and Scott's <laughs> right now but <laughs> is that is that something that you've come to learn or is it something that's always been instilled in you? It's a really great question actually really good question uh it's my 31st year in business. I've never, ever worked for anybody. Um, so when you, you have to learn that, you, you need that. Um, so I think that's something that I've learned over the years. Um, but again, my team made me look good. You know, mm. really do. I've got such brilliant people that mm. work for me uh, that are out there flying the flag for Paddy and Scott. It's not only in the UK, but abroad as well. You know, we've got some some cool guys you know, flying the flag in the Middle East and North Africa. But they're passionate to work for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you've got to do that. You know, you've got to have that. You know, I'm, my, my biggest competitors are Starbucks, Costa. You know, the, these are big global brands, Coca-Cola. And how do you fight and win battles against them? And we do that through passion, ambition. We're more than coffee. We, coffee is a byproduct of a brilliant, brilliant concept which we're doing. And, you know, people expect a great cup of coffee. Um, what I want to do is that they want their ambition fueled. They want lots of stuff, more than just a cup of coffee. They want to know that I've got, um, you know, dirt under my fingernails. Mm. What are we doing? What are we out there? What are we, what are we doing around the world? Because Suffolk's a small county. You know, what are we doing beyond those barriers? Mm. Talking about beyond the world. Um, you just got back from Africa. You spend a lot of time in North Africa, you are saying. Yeah. Um, I, I think the audience would love to know as well how a busy, busy guy like you, what, what their daily looks like. Um, give, give us an example of what you do. Let's say if you're at home, what would you do with your day? Uh, do, do you know what I've they got, look like? I've got, I've got a, a long-suffering wife for sort of 20 years, and um, <laughs> I've, I've got a brilliant PA in Casey and a great team. Uh, so I start my day very early. I run my dog at 5.30 in the morning. So, and then I get back and I hit my... Uh, what I'm very good at doing is, is planning my day. So there'll be five things I do in the day, and I, I highlight the most important thing at the top, and I go down that list. Mm -hmm. And when I finish that, that's my day finished. Mm -hmm. I want to get sidetracked. So hopefully I can only get it done between sort of four... And five, sometimes a bit later. But if I finish at three, day's finished. Yeah. Oh, that's no, interesting. Just go and hit some balls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some so stuff. you don't try and find tasks to fill no. that dead time. You no. have a target that you want to achieve for the day and you set out to go and do that. Done, yeah. I, it's called a Pomodoro system, so little tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And each task is a tomato. And the tomato gets smaller as the day yeah. goes on. Uh, and I've always stuck to that. So it's just a to-do list, but stick to that to-do list. Um, and then um, what I do struggle with is in is trying to give people tasks because I want to do it myself. But, you know, you've got to hand over to people that are better than you. You know, my sales director, Martin, uh, my operations manager, uh, director is, is Zoe, and my brand directors are great, Jonathan. And, you know, these are, these are gr great, great, great people. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to give those guys the mantle, the reins to go and, go and do it. 
Awesome. Awesome. Um, something I want to come back to, just jump back sure. quickly into, was defining your message as a brand. Um, obviously, you mentioned your competitors there, and you mentioned that the fact that actually by owning your message and owning your why um, is really, really important, especially in today's economy. Was that a quick transition? Was that, a, you know, was that, again, ingrained in you of like, you know, I want to fuel ambition. I want to have this message behind what we do. Um, these are my values. I want these to be shared across the rest of the company. Or was that more of a discussion with, with the team, finding out actually other people's values? Why, why is coffee important to them? You know, why do they buy a, a cup of coffee? What is it that they get from it? And were you able then to define it from that? Or is it mainly set on your values as an individual? Cool cross. Well, I don't think you need to, you know, you don't need to convince people to buy a cup of coffee. Mm. I believe they're going to buy that. And uh, coffee's very subjective. You know, do you like Costa, Starbucks, Paddy and Scott's, Chibo, Dowie? But, you know, this is, this is subjective. What isn't subjective is how coffee makes you feel. So our coffee's got a lot of caffeine in it. It's, it's pretty strong. Uh, and that caffeine is a stimulant. And that stimulant is what we trade on. Uh, and it sort of harks back to 1675 with, I think it was King Charles II. I think it was. He tried, to ban, he tried to ban coffee shops mm. in London because um, he said they were dens of scheming. They were swear. You know, if you were a peasant like me, you'd walk in off the fields and you'd stagger into the local inn and you'd drink mm -hmm. mead and get drunk and you weren't a problem to anyone. But if you were a philosopher, if you were an ambitious guy, if you were an entrepreneur, you'd, you'd go into a coffee shop. And what you'd do then is you'd plot and you'd be stimulated by this drink. Uh, and I think the king at the time said, look, I'm going to ban coffee shops. You know, this, is, this, is, these are, this is going to take over the world, these coffee shops. <laughs> and if you think about it, if you think of, uh, I don't know, Lloyds of London, it was founded in a coffee shop. If you take the London Stock Exchange, it was founded in a coffee shop. Um, and even if you take, I don't know, J.K. Rowling, mm. you know, she wrote her first book in a coffee shop. So, so this, is, this is why it's called a den of ambition, a, a fueling ambition. So if I can own that space, yeah. then... Starbucks and Costa, all of their marketing budget can't compete against me because they can't be more authentic than no. I am. I, know, so, I read something recently, is it, you know, from um, Seth Godin, who's a marketer, mm. and um, we read a lot of his stuff, but something really resonated with me the other day is he was talking about using an analogy of a drill bit. You don't buy a drill bit, you buy it for the hole, and you don't want the hole because you want a shelf, and you don't get a shelf because you want to do that level of self-achievement. So I thought, what, personally, from you know, what I think you've done so well is make it more than just a coffee shop. There's so many coffee shops and from anybody else, it would look like those people, those companies are competitors when actually you are serving an individual, you know exactly what your message is um, and you are selling the feeling that you get from yeah. sitting in one of your shops. Yeah, so well, I think that's well, really important. Well, summarized. I'm bearing in mind, guys, we, we, don't, we, we supply coffee shops. So we operate approximately 260 uh, concessions around the UK and a concession would be anybody that pays to use our coffee mm. that has our branding that's trained by us so um, you know we generate in the region of 17 million pounds worth of retail sales for our concessions that's a lot of cash out there it's a mm. lot of a lot of Paddy and Scott's coffee being sold out there bearing in mind that's not the money that comes to us that's what our retail partners make so you, d you do need a good story if you want to carry on driving that message forward and it can't just be about the coffee no. you know it has to be what, what are you doing with that coffee how are you growing that coffee what are the cool stuff that you're doing around the world what are you doing in your local community all of that has to be authentic and real and you can't just walk around I don't know yeah. all sanctimonious sticking a, a fair trade logo on the bag and saying yeah we're fair trade no you need to do much more than that mm. so it is about how coffee makes you feel but it's how they feel once they've drunk that coffee yeah 
That's yeah. the elixir. That's yeah. what I'm trying to get to. You know, that's the hub. For someone to, let's just say, um, someone wants to sell Paddy and Scott's coffee, is there a criteria for them to hit? Or do they, do they have to fit into a certain category for you guys to say, okay, we can come on board here? Mm. How, how, do you, how do you pick your concessions? So, again, really good question. In the early days, it was just selling yeah. lots of tons of coffee. Now we're quite selective now. So yeah, I thought so. We'd only sort of choose sites that buy into our... Um, if the first thing they say to me is, how much is the coffee, Scott? Then usually they're wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. if they say to me, wow, I love what you're doing in East Africa, they tell me about your school project, then they're the sort of customers that we want to deal with. Mm. And luckily, those sort of customers tend to be bigger and they tend to be more successful. Uh, and they tend to be the sort of clients that we're working with. You know, we work with the world's largest hotel management company, Marriott. Yeah. Wow. You know, we yeah, took yeah, out 60, 60 Starbucks stores and replaced them with Paddy and Scott's. Wow. This is a global brand based in the US. Why are they dealing with a little tiny coffee company from Suffolk? Mm. So yeah. this is a really good story here. Um, and it's because they buy into everything that we're doing, not just the drink. As I said before, without boring you guys, coffee is a byproduct of something that we're doing. You know, that's just, yeah. people expect a great cup of coffee. That's a prerequisite. You can't dine out on that. Yeah. What you've got to do is tell people, what is the story to making that great coffee? And then it's got to be authentic. Then it's got to be real. Where did it change from running a business for profit gain to running a business for having this global goal? Where did it change from kind of seeking the money to then seeking change in the world? Was there a certain point? I'm like getting that. deep now. It's a great, it's a great question. It's okay, some really good questions with you guys. You're better than the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're really boring. Um, and also, I'm always being bleeped out on the BBC. Yeah. Yeah. Was, not Never bleeped out on yeah. here, <laughs> um, uh, So where did it all change? Um, look, you know, I've, I've got bills to pay like everybody else. And, you know, I've got uh, four children and a wife. And, you know, I want to go on holiday. And so I, I still need to make money. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with companies making money. I think it's really important the companies make money. What you'll be gauged on is what you do with that profit. And that's the big difference. So I want people to gauge what I do with that profit. And I say profit because we're not a charity. We're not a community interest company. We're not a charity. What we do is we work with communities around the world to drive them out of poverty through trading with them. And if you trade with somebody, it's a leg up, not a, not a handout. And mm. that's really, really important. Um, so um, one day people will probably gauge, hopefully they'll gauge me on all the good stuff that I'm doing out there, not my turnover, not my retained profits. You know, I've done that in the past, and that's, that's there. That's, I can do that if you I want to. You've yeah. proved that already, yet. Yeah. So, you know, I can only live in one house. I can only, you know, do, 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 do certain mm. stuff. You know, I have no desire to, to have my own private jet or to own an island somewhere. You know, that's not, not of interest to me. As I'm getting older, I'm realising that I, I've got an opportunity to help hundreds and hundreds of people. I can pull them out of poverty. I can I can feed them, um, and uh, you know, I, one of the little girls on our school in Maruga, um, she has a um, her legs was t so so thin the stockings wouldn't stay up, and it was it was horrendous. Mm. And now you know we're we're helping feed her with the school meal program, so she can go to school now with a, a full belly, and and she can she can learn. Um, but you know, to have a, a little girl that her legs are so skinny that the tights won't stay up, you know. To me, that's worth a million pounds worth of profit. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Um, tell us a bit more about that because that's obviously something you're massively passionate about. Yeah. How did you get into it? Why did you get into it? Um, and tell us about some of the work you're doing at the school there in East Africa. Yeah, brilliant. So um, thank you for asking. Um, so the Ryuga School on the Machamba Farm is a community project. Um, and uh, we were looking at ways where we could source coffee around the world. Um, and I was fed up with paying um, brokers, secondary brokers, 
hedge fund managers that were trading these options on the world market. Mm. You know, these, these ridiculous costs and, you know, coffee was leaving, I don't know, the, the Port of Santos in Brazil and it was being traded 30, 40 times before it arrived in the UK. And that's wrong. Mm. The farmer is getting less than a cent a cup. But yet, you know, these cups are selling for a cup of single origin coffee in New York is selling for eight, nine dollars. Mm. Something's not right. It's, Something's yeah, not it's, right. It's, Something's yeah, not right. Backwards. You don't need to be a mathematician to work out something's not right here. And also the farmers are not creating enough value to support the, the, the crop anymore. So a lot of the farmers, certainly in East Africa, are going over to growing avocados and macadium nuts and so forth. Yeah. So we just had to do something uh, out of desperation. Uh, this was three, four years ago. And when I got to India, not when I got to, we actually went to India, went to Mysore, then we went over to South America, but we ended up in, in Africa. And uh, when I saw uh, how the farmers were, were growing and how they were living, it's, uh, it's lovely, it's nice, but it's, it, it's it, you know, there was, there was lots of work that we could do. And, uh, and that's when we decided to set up the community interest project there, um, where we are working with a family. And then uh, I inherited a school. I didn't realise I inherited a school. When we first got there, it was like 80 old kids running around and the school was terrible. There was no running water. There was no, uh, there was, was no roof on, on, on the classroom. There was no uh, glass in the windows. And then we, we put all that to, uh, to, to bed now. And, and we're, 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 you know, we're working with 526 children now. Amazing. So that's really well, cool. congratulations. Thank yeah. you. Well My done. sainthood is in the post, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it should be. <laughs> Hasn't arrived yet. It should be. <laughs> it should be. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the next five years. I don't know if you're, you're a business plan guy or what you, things are so changeable now. Mm. What's what does the future look like for Paddy and Scotts? Some really, really exciting stuff. Yeah, no, no, mm. at all. It's a great, great question. Again, um, I think you know, there's there's some great opportunities out there. Uh, with instability, uh, I think there comes opportunity, and I think the bad coffee companies out there will be disrupted by the smaller, more nimble companies like Paddy and Scotts. And I think that um, you know, uh, we were doing a, a tender recently, which I think we've won. We haven't heard properly, but I think we've won. Um, but one of the big global firms said, like. I didn't want to be competing against Paddy and Scott's a global firm saying that to me. Wow, that's so that's amazing. I was yeah. really, really chuffed with that. Yeah. So that's great. You know, this little tiny little business from uh, from Suffolk. Um, I think uh, you know. I think commodity prices are going to be a challenge for us. Uh, I think that um, you know, who knows what's going to go on with Brexit? I certainly don't know. I don't even think our politicians know. No. So don't ask me. That's I'm another just, podcast. I'm just, a coffee, <laughs> I'm just a coffee trader. I'm a coffee farmer. Um, so I don't know. Um, all I do know is that uh, my team are pretty motivated. Uh, we've got some some really amazing goals. Um, loads and loads of projects. And um, so, yeah, I think we're going to have some have some fun over the next five years. Brilliant. Brilliant. And then flipping it back quickly as well. Obviously, you can't have triumphs and successes without some challenges along the way. Has there been any kind of standout challenges which have put up a bit of a halt for you over the last, well, 5, 10, 20 years? Yeah, I mean, you, you start to think you can walk on water. And I think in the early days, you become, you know, you, you don't look at the signs out there. So I had a recruitment company that, that went that went bust and, you know, we owed a few million quids and, and we paid all that money back. It took me five and a half years to pay the money back, but we paid every penny back. Um, and there have been uh, sort of road bumps along the way. Um, so uh, I'm very adverse to borrowing. I don't, don't tend to borrow money. Had I have been more... Um, ambitious with borrowing, perhaps I'd have a, a billion dollar business here, but I don't. Um, so um, I could sleep at night knowing mm. that you know I don't have uh, huge amounts of overheads, mm. and sometimes that's a, that's a negative. So many, uh, you know, I, I still get, I still understand when young entrepreneurs, you know, they pop the champagne cork because they've raised a hundred grand. You see a young entrepreneur, and uh, you know they're, they're popping the champagne corks because they've raised a hundred grand, and you think, Christ, so you're giving away fifty percent of your company. 
you've got this uh, equity stroke debt deal here. And so, that's the so thing, they haven't, they haven't done anything yet. Not at all, not it's at all. all. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, and guys, the champagne's yeah. expensive. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> and guys, I mean, you know, what I'd be doing now is, 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 is saving that, that money for the champagne, mm. buy yourself some, you know, some bread and cheese because you've got some tough times ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, why don't we adopt an old-fashioned approach where you guys have done, where you've actually built your business by, um, by doing good stuff at the very beginning and then leveraging that without borrowing money. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty adverse to um, the, the, the mindset these days that you have to raise millions of pounds before you can create a business. It's absolute rubbish. Mm. You can build a company from your garage. Um, one final thing. How can um, someone find their nearest Paddy and Scott's? <laughs> Google this is quite good. Yeah. Uh, we have a we have a, a really clever little app on our website. You just put your postcode in, and it will tell you yeah. uh, where your uh, your nearest Paddy and Scotts is. And also, I think it, it shows you electric car charging points along the there way. There we as go. Well. Yes. So uh, so you can uh, you can uh, charge your electric car. A Tesla man, right? I am a Tesla. Yes. Man, yeah, yeah, I'm I thought a, so. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan now. Actually. Yeah, me too. I, I thought I'd have that. Too. Have you got a Tesla? I haven't. Yeah. Soon to have one though. Good. good. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're brilliant actually, and uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a great fan of Elon Musk. I think he's. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've read his book. Incredible book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't read his book actually, but I've watched a, quite a few podcasts. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I think we can all take quite a lot from from Elon, can't we? We can. We can. Amazing. Uh, just to finish things off, Scott. Um, before we have to, I mean, I could we talk to you all day. Yeah, we could. Um, but something we ask all of our guests is um, it's a simple question, but answers seem to differ. Um, what, in your opinion, is the best thing about owning and running a business? And if you want to kind of go on from that and actually mention Suffolk as well, if there's anything specific about Suffolk that you like um, when it comes to running a business, even if it is just to chill out and <laughs> admire the countryside. Yeah, I love. Um, um, is there, I mean, is there something that, you know, is a stand-up for you is that, yes, I like running my business because of this? Hey, look, you know, there's a sense of pride when you own a business and uh, there's a sense of pride in what you do and what you allow other people to do. So I love it when my team come in and they ring the bell and it's like, yeah, we've got this deal, we've got that, and this is the contract that we're bidding on. So, you know, that's brilliant. And I feed off that energy. I feed off that passion. You know, I, I want that. Yeah, it's my, that's my food every morning. Uh, Suffolk, I love. It's, you know, it's my adopted county. You can tell from my dulcet tones I'm an Essex lad. And uh, so, you know, I'm not indigenous to this, this beautiful county. Um, and I think sometimes it can be stifling. It, it's, it's such a beautiful place. And... You know, once you've got this this wonderful little business in Suffolk, then you know why bother going beyond the counties? Mm. And I think sometimes that you know we're guilty of that in some of these brilliant businesses in, in Suffolk. Uh, and I was uh, given a talk recently in Manchester for the brilliant, brilliant uh, pub group JW Lees, and I was introduced as Manchester's own Paddy and Scotts. And I think that's really cool. The fact mm. that they didn't know I was based in Suffolk. Yeah. yeah. You know, they thought I was a Manchester brand. Yeah. We've got 170 odd sites up there. Uh, and when I go to the Middle East, they think, wow, you know, this is brilliant. This, this, this UK brand. Our very own. <laughs> our very own Paddy and Scott's in the Middle East. So I think that, um, you know, running a business is, is work is a location. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a vocation in life. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't have to be uh, constrained to a certain area. Um, so, uh, and if the Suffolk sorted out their Wi-Fi and, uh, and, uh, and their mobile phone service. Perhaps I'll do some more business yeah, here. Yeah, no, I think, I think uh, we will. If, you're listening, team, if right? you're listening, Minister of, you know, whatever, you know, get it sorted out. I, I think we'll end there. Brilliant. Scott, thank you so much it's for coming on. Like I said, you know, you're one of the names when we even were brainstorming this idea of running a podcast um, about business in Suffolk. You were one of the names we desperately wanted on, so I really appreciate that. Thank you yeah, very much. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, my pleasure. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Take cool. Care. Thank you.